listening to The Atomic Geeks, a podcast covering movies, TV, comic books, video games, and everything in between. So geeky. All right. Welcome back to The Atomic Geeks podcast. This is episode 88. My name is Michael DiGiovanni. I'm in Toronto, and tonight I'm drinking Canada's own Garrison Imperial IPA. Let's see who else is with me. Oh, hello, Internet. It's your pal Christian from the town of Oakville in my basement. And I was chased by the police all the way home, and I must have smashed into about three different fruit carts. But I'm here now, and in my hand is a cold bottle of Canada's Pilsner, Labatt's Blue, otherwise known as the good stuff. Well, hello, Mr. DiGiovanni and the rest of the Atomic Geeks and everyone out there. It's Andrew Bloom calling in from London. Tonight, I am drinking a Toronto-made Mill Street Tank House Ale. Yummy fun. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone. It's Mike Downs. I'm currently in my laundry room in Newmarket, Ontario. I'm wearing the Mike Downs uniform of a ball cap and a hoodie. And like Mike DiGiovanni, I'm also drinking a beer from Halifax. Uh, I splurged this week and got some Alexander Keats. Those who like it don't mind paying import prices. <laughs> Especially <laughs> when you're in Canada. <laughs> I love that, uh, Downs, that you're always calling from your laundry room. That's, that's <laughs> got to be yeah. the most interesting uh, headquarters for podcasting ever. It, it, it just goes to show my my life has been downscaled so much that my office is now a corner in a room full of dirty, stinky laundry. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there's some immigrant woman behind you, uh, like ironing shirts. Be quiet! Be quiet! I'm ironing. Excuse no, me. The, <laughs> clean clothes now. The, the, the funny thing is, is there's a totally geek corner which has got like action figures and a bookshelf of comic books, and then everything else is dirty yeah, laundry and fabric softener. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the collector's edition fabric softener, I hope you know. Mm-hmm. Still in its package. Yes, well, they're right. in Mylar bags. Yes. <laughs> nothing, nothing like reading a good trade paperback and huffing some cold action tied. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that was quite amusing. Well, before we get into more of the funny, funny, fun, fun, let's see if anybody has some of that. Geek news. Geek news. Yeah, so let's see. Who's got some geek news for us tonight? Hi there. Uh, field reporter Mike Downs here, finally with some geek news, see? Uh, so right off the presses today, uh, as, as the recording of this podcast is happening, uh, over the weekend, actually, um, Spike had their Scream Awards taping on Saturday night, and Ryan Reynolds appeared to accept an award for the most anticipated movie, which I think is funny. They've given this movie an award, it's not even out yet, for Green Lantern, and we saw that... Uh, they actually, he appeared in front of the big power battery, uh, for the Green Lantern, as well as today, uh, f- uh, photos of the actual small, you know, handheld version of the battery surfaced. So I was just wondering what the guys thought of those. You know, I've got to say, if anyone, just to start us off when you said about Spike, the, the these awards are actually <laughs> pretty interesting because they do cover a lot of that genre movie making and comics are very well represented, but that's a, Hell of an award. Your most anticipated award? That's that's sort of strange, actually. But uh, besides that, uh, the power battery looks pretty cool. It's a little bit more 
alien design than uh, than probably what the comics suggest. But I think that really works for the idea of actually translating it into the movie. I like that because obviously it's coming from Oa, uh, you know, this thing. So it wouldn't look uh, the sort of human. So I kind of appreciate the, the look and design of it. Hmm. it uh, well, go ahead, Andrew. No, I was just going to say if it's the most anticipated award, do they actually give it to him or make him sit and wait for it? <laughs> you can get it. The to- he could get it at 11 p.m. Yeah. Give me, give me, give me. I want it. I want it. I want it. Yeah, to, to me, that felt like this is, I mean, these, are we even calling this? This isn't an award show. I mean, this is basically, it's funny that you thought it was kind of interesting, Mike, because I find this, it's a blatant marketing thing. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to, we're, we're going to make up award for the most, anti- we're, this is just a way to get this picture on the internet. You know what I mean? That's all it's, it's. Well, a- I mean, essentially the award should be, should, should be called, you know, uh, the award for the, the nicely hyped up possible piece of shit, uh, becoming <laughs> this fall. Well, it's, it's funny you say that, Christian, because I, I, my first inclination when I saw it, it's it's funny because the the two pictures right you've got the big batter the big lantern which I think looks I mean it, it, I honestly find that sometimes these pictures never do how good it's going to look on film justice um, but the one where Ryan is standing in front of the big one I think looks really kind of bad it looks like almost tinfoily down beside him and I didn't like that and then the handheld one looks really alien my first instinct was not to like it um, it feels like. Hollywood, speaking of cliches, Hollywood only has one idea of what Alien looks like, and it's creepy and dark and Venom or H.R. Geiger. So that kind of bothered me, but I, I get where they're going with it, and I just I hope that when it comes to life, it'll it'll won't be so bad. But I was I, I think I think a lot of people are kind of going like, whoa, where's the metal kind of 1950s lantern that everyone expected? I don't know. I think it's almost a bit too organic, if you ask me. I mean, this is from like spaceships, outer space kind of society. I mean, it kind of looks like the friggin' Guardians got together in the kiln in the friggin' gift shop and fucking threw this shit together, for crying out if you ask me. Well, you know, uh, that's what they're going for. I mean, it's got almost like that drippy castle sort of, you know, forged in like Mount Doom sort of look to it. I mean, it's got that craggy, if craggy is a word, (laughs) sort of... Like, I, I, I mean, I, it doesn't look exactly like a translation from the comic. I, I appreciate where they're coming from, but, uh, you know, I have to go back to something Down said. The other shot of, you know, Ryan Reynolds standing in there, you realize that was just a set used at the Spike Awards. I don't think that one's <laughs> going to be in the movie. <laughs> you think? I don't know. Were they just built that for that? I, <laughs> I'm thinking they might have, yeah. I hope so, because it looks like tinfoil. I mean, it probably was. I love that DJ actually referenced drippy castles. Like other people know what that is. <laughs> I bet you there's one person listening right now that's been to a beach as a kid that knows what the fuck I'm talking about. I wonder if you actually do a search in Google under drippy castles, you actually will find what you're talking about. Only, right only we'll never know. You, you mean, Christian, you don't listen to the, the weekly drippy castles podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yep, Google only knows. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, Green Lantern coming out next summer. This is a definitely big movie, in my opinion. I think for the we've talked about it at ad nauseum on this podcast. Our first look, uh, maybe a little mixed, but I can't wait for this one. Uh, does anyone else have any other geek news for us tonight? Well, I might have a little bit of geek news for you. Uh, let's see here. Straight hot off the Internet from Friday, which was about, you know, three days ago. 
Uh, all you freaking Tolkien uh, dorks out there can finally stop holding your freaking breath because it's official. Uh, starting in February uh, 2011, uh, they're going to start filming that Hobbit movie, and Peter Jackson is going to be in the director's chair. So now, now you can stop holding your breath and start holding your penis. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but but, but it, this is this is skinny Peter Jackson or fat Peter Jackson? I'm pretty nope. sure it's skinny Peter Jackson. Oh, it's doomed. This picture's doomed. But remember, he's shooting two movies back to back. By the time he's done filming, he might be fat again. <laughs> so yeah. the movies will progressively get better. <laughs> so if well, the fans are really concerned, they can send him like a case of Funyuns or something like that out there for him to eat. <laughs> You know, well, it's about goddamn time. I think a lot of people were expecting this news and, you know, crossing their little hobbit fingers for it. But, you know, I'm just happy that the movie's finally happening. Happening, It's greenlit, as they say in the biz. And now we can just get down to fucking business. And it was once Del Toro uh, jumped ship, it only made sense that Peter Jackson do it. And now I'm actually even more excited. More, no offense to do Guillermo, but... That Peter Jackson's doing, he's ultimately going to do five films for this series. That's going to be awesome. It's almost unprecedented. You know, there's no precedence here. And then hopefully he's going to basically take the same care and patience and attention to detail like he did for those, uh, the first, or I guess the second, or the, 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 the final three, I guess you would say, for crying out loud. No, he'll probably just sleepwalk through this one. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I was going to say. Actually, I heard on the internet he was totally planning to fuck these up. You know, he's just, there's, 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 too, there's too much to live up to, so he's just going to totally piss all over this. But, you know, that's not too far out of, like, out of, like he could be like, what if he's just like, he, the, the money was too good to resist, and he's going to just going to fucking sleepwalk through this whole thing. You know what or, I mean? or as Down says, he's going to Skype it in. Uh, <laughs> Peter, why is uh, the, the Hobbit as tall as Gandalf? Oh, don't worry about it. We'll fix it in post. You know? I'm skinny now. Who gives a fuck? I got pictures everywhere. Now get my my solid gold golf cart. I need to go to the next set. <laughs> the the smog, the dragons made out of like cardboard boxes and stuff like that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, close enough. <laughs> fix it in post. Let's wrap. Well, fix it in post. Um, no, that, that that's that's fucking great news. I think a lot of fans can now breathe a big sigh of relief. That that's oh, going to happen. Let me. Oh. So, oh, okay, that's my point. Ah. Thank. You. Now we've all done it. <laughs> ah. That's all four fans now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, before we get into tonight's topic, did I hear a rumor on the hot sheets that there was maybe even some more geek news? Or, <laughs> well, I may have one little piece of geek news. Let me just check my pockets here. <laughs> Uh, also hot off the press today, apparently it's rumored that uh, Zack Snyder is uh, thinking that maybe this Brandon Ruth kid who's uh, played this Superman role before uh, should deserve a chance at the new film, possibly, due to the uh, the groundswell of fans, uh, you know, signing petitions and all that bullshit. Who's Brandon Ruth? <laughs> Ralph, Ruth, Ralph. You know, he's, the, he's, he's, the, he's the guy we were going to replace, or actually one of the only things we we're going to keep about our Superman, weren't we? Yeah, exactly. I, it's, it's funny that, sorry, Mike, I, I think it's funny. We talked about this. This is the power of the internet, man. If this kid gets a second shot at this because of what people have said, more fucking power to him. I, to me, this would be completely unbelievable. I, I mean, we said this on our show recently when, uh, talking about the Superman news that 
I couldn't see, I can't imagine that they would, you know, when they're thinking of doing an actual reboot of a film franchise to keep the actor from the failed movie, if that were to happen, that would be unbelievable. I think we all agreed that Brandon Routh made a great Superman. I just can't believe that the studio and or directors, uh, producers, all of them would even consider him. I mean, that, to your point, Downs, really shows the power of social media. Actually, if you read closely, he's he's coming and he's going to be Perry White in this movie. <laughs> oh. I th- well, if, we, if, if Brandon Routh uh, does come back, at least they know how to start the movie, right? Opening scene, Superman's bedroom. He wakes up. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. What a horrible nightmare that was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I bet I was a fucking stalker of Lois and some fucking kid. That's disgusting. That's right. I went into outer space for no goddamn good reason and knocked up some chick. <laughs> well, you know what? They actually – some news has also come out about this. They're, uh, the, the, obviously, the script is still being worked on, but Snyder has said in some interviews – where he's like, this is going to be an original story. We're not going to be following any of the uh, continuity of the previous films. That includes Superman Returns. Heart, thank fucking God. But what they do claim is that the story is going to focus on the, I'm using air quotes here, early days of soups. So I don't know if I love that, uh, but, you know, I guess that remains to be seen. Really? I, I, that, I, I don't like the sound of that either. I think... We have seen, I mean, really, enough of the early days of, of Superman. Everyone knows who Superman is. No one needs to see the young Kal-El put in a spaceship and, and raised by Martha and Clark and, uh, and, and what's his name? You know, it's, it, we want to see Superman kicking ass and some of the be- better, more like, not even darker, but more heroic stuff that Superman gets to later on. And, and they've got Smallville, for crying out loud. Why the fuck would they focus on anything but, I, I would think, a uh, mature and, and, and established Superman? Unless, unless it's the adventures of young Superman goes to college, you know, <laughs> pledging frat houses and things that's like that. Smallville is that's what that <laughs> fucking is. Keg party. That's right. Carrying in like six kegs on his shoulders. That's right. Light <laughs> friggin' joints with friggin' heat vision. <laughs> okay, now that, now that, now that sounds kind of good, actually. Yeah, now you might be onto something here, actually. <laughs> Call the producer of American Pie. Get them on this. No one told me this was a kryptonite keg party. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Superman does, like, kryptonite shots just to actually feel something, right? And he's all hung over the next day from kryptonite. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> kryptonite cocaine. And, and Clark has to get peewee laid. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, uh, so guys, uh, let's take no segue there and move into tonight's topic. <laughs> uh, I got, I'm, I'm trying here, folks. I'm trying. All right. So what we're very simply, what we're going to be talking about tonight is a couple of the fellas here have seeded it in some very failed for bad jokes, but we're going to be talking about cliches. Those, these are those devices that you see all the time, over and over again in TV and movies. Those things, the, you know, I was thinking about this because I was watching one of the brand new TV shows, uh, Undercovers, and it relied on one of these cliches that we've seen millions of times that we'll get into. And I thought to myself, holy shit, when are writers, directors, producers going to stop relying on these formulas. So, us being the Atomic Geeks, it is time that we tell Hollywood to kill the cliches. 
So pretty much we're just going to talk about some of the these cliches that you see present in movies and TV all the time, uh, the ones that bug us the most, and why we should stop utilizing them. So let's just go around the table. I think that's pretty simple, guys. I think you understand what we're talking about. Let's go around the table. I'll start with you, Mr. Bloom. Give us an example of one of these uh, cliches uh, that is used and employed by Hollywood endlessly. All right, I will do that. Um, it, it took a little bit to think of it, but it's funny because you see these cliches in front of you all the time. When you see it, you're like, fuck. But then when you have to sit down and try and think about it, it's kind of tough until the ball starts rolling. And one of the ones that I thought about first was, wasn't a cliche until Tarantino did it and made it so super cool that everybody else in the world had to have a slow motion scene of like four or five dudes walking towards the camera to music. How many times do we have to see this? We get it. It was cool. It was cool. And now it's just overdone. They do it all the time, and they're even making fun of it in a lot of movies. Well, it's Andrew, that's so true. It seems to be the only way that you can establish a rough, tough, ragtag group of guys is by having them walk together in slow motion towards the camera. Like, that's... a. There, I mean, I because I saw that movie, uh, The Losers, and they did that immediately. And it's so funny that you bring that up because Reservoir Dogs, I'm not even sure that was probably the first place, but I think just in our consciousness, that's what we're thinking. Yeah. I'm sure someone did it before t- Quentin on that, considering he likes the ripoff artist. <laughs> I wasn't going to use such a such a term, but I guess that is that is probably appropriate in some circles. But, you know, uh, I, I do. I mean, I remembered laughing at it in The Losers because I was like, Oh, they always have to do this shit, man. The fucking, you know, 60-second scene of the dudes smoking cigarettes, kind of untucked. All their clothing is a bit untucked. You know, they get sunglasses just out for a jaunt. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I totally agree with you. In, in fact, I, I like when when they do it and it's blatantly like a ripoff, like that British uh, TV show I've watched, Coupling, did it one time. They, they were going to a wedding, and all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden they're all walking slow, and it's actually the, the same song from Reservoir Dogs. And the, the women are like, what do these guys think? They're in some Quentin Tarantino flick, you know what I mean? And they all, like, bump into each other. And, and that's funny, but you're totally right. This is, as you said, Mike, the only way to establish a ruthless group of people is to have them walk against a cement brick wall in slow motion. Like, come on. And where are they going exactly? Like, just as a team, now we're ready. We got our outfits on. Let's walk outside. <laughs> and it's and it's the most important thing, though, is that they all look in different directions unless the camera is directly in front of them. Yeah, yeah they're right. completely uninterested to be with one another. No one is talking. Yeah. One <laughs> guy's on his phone, and the guy's looking at something over there, you know. <laughs> I'm just waiting for one of them to trip on a rock and fall on his face. <laughs> but I would think it would be very funny to see this walk, this establishing shot walk, not in slow motion and without any music. You would just hear them like, their feet walk, no one talking, maybe a guy cough, and then they would probably just, you know, end up walking to a, a fucking TGIF Fridays that they're going to grab lunch. Or, or I'll be like, uh, get walk to their cars and be like, all right, well, see you later, Reg. Okay, guys. Uh, so tomorrow it is? Yeah, tomorrow. Okay, good. See you at 2 o'clock? 2 o'clock? Yeah, okay. Like, is that where we're going to do the big mission? Well, what would you do differently? Like, I understand it's kind of, it's become such a cliche, 
It obviously introduces the gang of characters together, and they mean business. What else would you do? Like, I guess you could all get into your cars and drive. I don't know what else you would do, like, as far as correcting the cliché. Well, and I think, Andrew, you've actually stu- uh, stumbled upon what, why these things are repeated is because they are probably the perfect and the best way to get the point across. You know what I mean? And that's why they're repeated, because it does such a good job. Yeah, but what's even worse, though, is when they, when they, when you slow motion walk away from explosions, for crying out loud. How often is that goddamn that, done? And that, that was mine. When I, I think when you think of action movie, you think of, like, because yeah, what was that, uh, McGruber or whatever, and it's like, you know, why are the, why is, why do, why is that shot always in a movie? I gotta walk away and not be affected by the massive goddamn explosion in the, the city I've destroyed behind me, because I'm so fucking cool. I remember thinking uh, if you've ever seen the I think it was the MTV Movie Awards from uh, last year. Andy Samberg and Will Ferrell did a whole music video called Cool Guys Don't Look at Explosions. That's right. So they because in, in that video, it's if you, you can find it on funnyordie.com or YouTube or whatever. But it's so accurate, Christian, because you're right. That is done. That is employed. So many fucking times in that video, they take clips of how many times that's been used just in like the last five years yeah. of, of films. It's, I guess their I guess their senses are so dulled from murdering all those people that they just don't even hear anything, yeah, they, or they don't feel the heat burning their backs off or anything like that. It's kind of funny, and I think it's the movie The Other Guys, where Will Ferrell and uh, Mark Wahlberg. A huge explosion. They're lying on the ground, holding their ears, going, why did Hollywood lie to us? It hurts so much. That's funny. I'm glad that they, someone's done that because this is this is one. I'm glad I, I'm not surprised that this is, came up early because this is a really bad one that just continually gets uh, done over and over again. And it's just got to stop. I mean, it's this is that thing. Nothing spells machismo more than slow-mo and complete and utter not caring dudes just they're like completely unimpressed like except when you're murdering because if you're murdering with a machine gun you have to scream (laughs) (laughs) but bombs yeah if you're you got a gun you're you're screaming but you're blowing up a fucking gas station you're like I don't really care what's going on behind me. Eh, I'm, no I'm big deal. That's right. I'm just going to light this cigarette and then casually throw this lighter over my shoulder, and you just wait and see what fucking happens. Uh, well, uh, I've been practicing this all day, and this is going to work. You, you talk about cliches. How many single cigarettes have lit massive explosions? I would like <laughs> to see is that on that uh, MythBusters if that's true. Come on, you drop a cigar, you know, in, into into like a trail of, of gas, and that's going to blow up a huge gas station. Not it that's would, just, yeah, it would it would go. It'd actually be funny if they did it in a movie where a guy's walking away, throws his cigarette or lighter behind him, and then it just goes out. He has to turn around, <laughs> walk back, holding a lighter, trying to... Or just <laughs> walk on. over and kind of kick it a little bit. Trying to light this thing. Dave. Like, grab a grenade because he can't get it to go and throw it. Dave, Dave, it didn't work, man. What? Your smoke. It didn't work. It didn't, it didn't light it on fire. No, keep walking. No, we have to turn around. It didn't light. I'm not going close to that thing. I don't turn around once I drop my cigarette. That's just how I roll. <laughs> Listen, I've done this... A hundred times, and we can just keep walking. Don't worry, it's burning. It'll blow up. Eventually, it'll blow up. You see the bad guys get up and walk away covered in gas. I don't know. He walked away. I don't know. He let us go. I... Hailing, hailing a cab. Yeah. 
<laughs> dusting their pants off and stuff. Still, wa- still walking away slow motion. You can walk faster than that too. Why, you don't have to watch. Why did he spray us with all that gasoline for? I don't get it. <laughs> Seems like this shirt is waste ruined. Of time. Yeah. I will he's, never get the shirt clean. He's a nice guy. He tries to scare you, but he's really nice. He let us live. <laughs> yeah, that the uh, walking away and uh, like completely uninterested in the in your your handiwork. You'd think if you're going to go to the trouble of blowing up a fucking factory. You might want to watch. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sorry. If my arch nemesis is going up like a friggin' barbecue, for Christ's sakes, I'd be jumping up and down and clapping my hands. <laughs> you see that? Look at that big. Look how big that explosion was big. You have to admit, that yes. was big. I did it. Especially like if you're like a real psychopath. I mean, nowadays you'd probably be videotaping it. You know what I mean? For to keep for your records. I, that's an explosion I did. That's an explosion I did. And showing your friends. I'd be your own YouTube channel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Explosions are done. The, another another thing that's funny, and I, uh, just to jump in, what Christian's saying is from explosions. How many times do we have to watch people diving in slow motion away from explosions? Like the complete opposite, obviously, of walking away cool, but like diving towards the camera. No, huge explosion behind them. Well, but see what you what you got there, Andrew, is that is the juxtaposition of the mm-hmm. the hero who is so cool and calm and collected and can walk the fuck away, not even looking, versus all the jokers who we are supposed to not like, who have to go, Oh my god, it's explosion, we gotta get the fuck out of here. No, run away. I d I don't know. My my favorite explosion jumping friggin' scenario is like when they're in on a boat and they dive into the water <laughs> and the boat explodes, they get the POV from underneath the water and the boat explodes above them. Yeah, but that's kinda cool. I, I know that's what I'm saying. That's I like that. That that kind of jumping away from explosions, I like. Well, that, I find that the stupidest because then I'm like, okay, I'm still a bad guy. Now I'm just floating in the water. You haven't killed me. You haven't hurt me. I just dove off a boat. How how effective? Unless, of a... Well, unless it was a good guy diving off. No, the that's boat. what I mean. The good guy though, and he's swimming underwater, and they all think oh, he's dead. Yeah, that's right. cool. And the bullets go whizzing them around him. No one has ever been shot underwater. I don't know. Something <laughs> happens when your bullet hits the water. It goes in a projectile. Once you hit saving- that water, you're done. I will say, though, the only movie I've seen it in, it was cool, was Saving Private Ryan, where the guys were storming the beach, and you could see the bullets going, and like going and piercing people, and you go, hey, I guess people can get shot underwater. Because that was based off of a real event. The minute it's it's a movie... I mean, you pretty much have stormtroopers shooting at you in the fucking water because no one is is fucking hitting anybody. Yeah, because yeah, no one in that movie said, "Why don't you send this message to the to Hitler and you know, yeah. <laughs> shove the grenade in his mouth and threw him out of a church tower?" You know, it's just not <laughs> that different kind of movie altogether. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Downs. So I think because uh, Andrew and Christian have already said one. What's uh, one of the cliches that bugs you? Sure. So. Uh... First on my list was uh, is I as we start to get towards All Hallows Eve, um, my biggest pet peeve I'll call the fatal attraction death syndrome. Yeah. Uh, you know w- why can't we just have a a battle where once the guy like a really good battle and then the person is killed? It, it is now every time you kill somebody. They got to jump back. You know what I mean? And it's like you're waiting for it now. You can't even I don't even know if you can't not do it. It's such an unexpected thing in a horror movie. It would almost yeah. be it almost be more tense if you know like you kill a guy he's lying on the ground and you've got to lean in and take away his machete or whatever he was trying to kill you with and he doesn't get up and move because they how many times like there are movies where it's multiple times where probably Jason just treat 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 gets up again and then he's dead treat 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 and you're like come on man yeah, and, just and, die in horror movies man that's kind of like 
to be expected for crying out loud. Like, I don't think anybody saw Friday the Truth and said, well, Jason's dead. Let's get to the parking lot and get out of here while we can. Well, wait, he's still alive, you know? But that's what I mean, though. Like, that's kind of fu- – it's kind of ruined. You, you can't – like, in Fatal Attraction, it was scary because – and and and, 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 and uh, Friday the 13th, the first one, when, you know, it's – they're killing – it's uh, Jason isn't the killer the mother is, and when Jason was on the water, that was scary. And I like that one because it wasn't the same person, right? And in Fatal Attraction, it was, but – you know, you can only do that kind of surprise once or twice before, as you guys have said. It's expected now every time you kill someone, they're going to come back. Well, it's almost like the mentality that these filmmakers are taking is they, they're, they're having to make their movies like, let's assume people have never seen a movie before. And the first movie they're going to watch is ours. Because you're right. It's like you there is no suspense and tension anymore because you almost expect the first one or two of the times well all right he's going to jump back up he's not dead i mean you can literally hear people chatter like that in a theater when you're watching it i mean it's been it's been done so many times you never assume the first kill shot is a kill shot in a horror movie no, exactly. It's even worse, though, when you get into action movies. You know what I mean? When you see, like, you know, whatever, uh, dude, big gun, friggin', like, just blows the shit out of some guy, and it's like, let's get out of here. And all of a sudden, you see him, like, crawling up and all charred and holding a gun, shaking it in the air. You know, it's like, and yeah. you're just sitting there going, like, come on. And, like, that's not, I would much rather have a better, um, struggle that you really get sucked into and when and when it's over you know it's over and I, unfortunately i can't think of a good example of that but i mean there has to be times where you know when it's, it's come down to it and you know it that's it you know it's over it, it's it's taken so much out of both people that 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 other one the, the bad guy's not coming back you know that that would be i think a much better story to tell than it seems like a cop-out I think what you were kind of getting at, Mike, it's like, well, he's going to kill him. He's going to come back. You know what I mean? Or, or if you want to get that last minute scare, have someone else come in and burst in the room who's not even a killer. You know what I mean? Like there's other ways to get that last minute fright if that's what you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's like just have a great uh, conflict between your, your hero or heroine and the villain and let it be over with. Why do you need to have these beats, these story beats where it's like, a scare, a scare, a scare, a jump, a jump. It's like, you know what? You can do that in other ways. All right, well, Downs, I'm going to follow your lead because you were talking about dying. And one of the big things that bugs me in a movie is when someone actually does get to dying, they always have to have those last words. You know what I mean? Like in every fucking movie, no one's just ever dead. They have to speak these words, and they'll always be coherent and significant. It's like they're saving <laughs> the most important thing they've ever said in their fucking life while they're bleeding out on the ground. It's like they always have to do the uh, swallowing. Remember your sister. <laughs> she is heaven to me. Like you know, you, she always they always have to say. It's just always like. Dude, just die. Honestly, why do we always have to have a scene where the he- the hero pulls someone up by the shoulders right before they die while they and listen to them say some prophetic nonsense? You know, just once you'd like the guy or person to say, just, I think that I might have left the stove off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like just ramble incoherently. That yeah, might or, be yeah, like Or like babbling where they just pick up. What is it? I can't hear you. 
It's not even English. Could you? Chicken, chicken soup, crayons, crayons, tax season receipts in shoebox in bedroom. Well, because I mean, how has anyone ever died like that in real life? Like, where did this come from? That you know, it's that feels like a completely fabricated, you know, film way of dying. You know what I mean? I don't know if anyone. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Well, or you or you'd have that one where he's like, I left all the money in. Uh, uh, and then that's dies right. before. What? What were you going to say? What? Please spit it out, you fucker. That's right. One of my favorite things uh, that they did a really good job sending up this cliche was in the film Naked Gun Two and a Half, where <laughs> Leslie Nielsen finds those guys almost nearly dead. And he calls up, he grabs onto the guy and the guy's like, Quentin Habsburg. Has backup plan in, and then he's like, "Where?" And he drops him, and the guys, he's like, "Who else is almost dead here?" And the guy's hand comes up, and he runs over to him and starts talking to him. Yeah, the funny thing is, is he starts talking. He's like, "Quentin." He's like, "No, no, he's already said that." And then, yeah. then the guy dies. He's gonna find like a third guy, right? Like that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, you know what? It's a, it's a real cliche if it's been made fun of in a spoof movie, right? Yeah. Once the uh, the spoof and uh, satire folk get a hold of something that's when you know it's pretty much this has been done way too many times now this is a way of us letting uh like almost self-referential in a sense that hollywood's going we get it we've done this far too many times we gotta stop because that one i mean it's employed in television on almost a weekly basis as well you can't die without getting one last fucking word in that's for sure yeah so uh sorry i was say that's what i mean i think that that is I think that is the mythical way people die, which is nothing like, I don't think, like the way real people die. You know what I mean? Like, we, you all expect that someone's going to be spit, spit out some prophetic, you know, your, the, tre- the treasure is buried out back. You know what I mean? And, pe- and people really die by going silently in the right. night. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where's that pirate gold? <laughs> it was funny. I can't remember what movie it is, but the girl's dying. She's lying there and she's like, Quah! And like spits up blood all over her face. And she's like, kiss me. <laughs> and the guy's just looking at her like, oh, God, no. <laughs> I remember that. I don't know what that I don't remember what it was from, but she just kept like totally basically vomiting on her own face. And the, the guy's just looking at her like, please don't make me kiss you. But that's probably closer to what it would be like. Like, let's be honest. If you get a goddamn machete in your gut, I don't think you're going to start talking about where the, the secret uh, resting place of the jade monkey is. Yeah, it's funny that it's funny that you say that because one of the cliches that – they they play a lot in movies, and I guess we can say this is mine because it sounds like you're going to go to me. Is the fact that bullets don't really hurt that bad? Like people get shot in movies maybe three or four times, and they're still okay. They're still walking around, and apparently in real life, if you get shot, it hurts so much that you will soil yourself from the pain. You know, but in you you would obviously never see that in movies. Would they go either one or two extremes where they get shot and kind of just keep moving? Or they get shot by, you know, a big gun and they fly 40 feet back. Yeah, you if you get clipped in the arm uh, or legs, it you are fine. In any movie or TV show, you are doing fine. I mean, you're still going to be, you're still going to get in a car chase at this point. You might get into a fist fight. You might even have sex. Like, let's yeah, be that's honest. That's right. That's all you need is like a, a good night of hot, passionate sex with saxophone music in the background. Oh, yeah. And then the next morning, you're fine. How are you feeling? Just a little stiff. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know what's so funny about that too as well? Because whenever these people get shot and it's just a tis a flesh wound, as they say, the funniest thing is too is apparently you can go to a home hardware and find all of the equipment and uh and materials to fix a bullet wound, if you know, if you don't know. Like everyone can just go in and get a bucket of something, some rags and some paint thinner and fishing line and a needle. Well, I mean, all, all you're really doing is scrapping out a piece of something inside of yourself and sewing yourself up and a, and a yeah. knife. It's not that. Rambo, best- Rambo did it with his fucking battle gun on the side of a fucking mountain. So if he can do it there, a doctor could do it with some hardware supplies. Come on. And everybody seems to do the same instinctive bandaging technique where they basically use one hand to wrap the bandage and the other one has to be stuck in the mouth, you know, and wrap it around <laughs> your arm, you know. I'm okay. Yeah, it's like, go to the hospital. No, no hospitals. Well, they'll help you, you idiot. I'll just use this old greasy T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christian, how about another one from you? Uh, well, this movie cliche is basically going to take this podcast in the total opposite direction. Uh, you know, being, uh, you know, married, uh, I don't always get to choose, uh, the movies I watch. Uh, and one of the things that bugs me the most, and it's a cliche that is used over and over and over again, that basically the first five minutes, you know, okay, I know what's going to happen here. In romantic fucking comedies, if they hate each other, you know by the end of it, they're getting together inexplicably. This is pretty much the blueprint for every single Jennifer Aniston and Katherine Heigl movie that's come out in the last fucking five to ten years. Yeah. And, you know, Downs, you said this before, is like, where is this based on? You mentioned that. This is another one that I have to ask. It's like, who in the fuck is living these sort of lives that they're going, me and my wife, we hated each other initially. Like this, yeah. I can relate to this. We hated each other. I, we bickered, and then we fell in love. I actually punched her in the face, <laughs> and well, that, then that, it was love. This is so much of a of a cliche that people in real life think it's real, right? Like because women have watched so many movies, if they don't like someone in the beginning, like they might like, well, well, maybe there's some hidden attraction there. It's like no. People just don't like each other. You know what I mean? Like, but Hollywood makes you think that if you don't like each other, maybe there's some hidden attraction there because Meg Ryan and fucking Jennifer Aniston have fallen in love that way a million fucking times, right? I mean, based on this whole model, people should be basically putting out personal ads saying, uh, looking for a male with total opposite opinions of my own (laughs) and really bad hygiene and manners. Be like, sexy, attractive, clean woman looks for ugly, fat, slob. You know what I mean? Like, that's not fucking realistic. <laughs> Who punches me? What? The the other the other thing, too, Christian, when you say, like, romantic comedies, I thought you were going to go there and say, boy gets girl, go, boy loses girl, guy gets girl back. Because that seems to be the formula that they use all the time for these movies. You, you know what? Romantic comedies are very guilty at a lot of cliches. I mean, Andrew, you just touched on one there. That's pretty much the story arc of practically every one of them. Uh, Christian touched on the other one. Another thing that I hate as well, we're on the rom-coms is the, why does the current boyfriend or husband always have to have no redeeming qualities whatsoever? (laughs) No, no, that's not true. It's not that he has any redeeming qualities. He's a very level headed, kind of nice guy but just no personality and then he just gets fucked over by the asshole who comes back 
Yeah, yeah. Like, like the the current boyfriend or husband, you know, just just is so not romantic. He's just so not doing it for the woman. You know what I mean? Like, there's just he's so yeah. doesn't make her wet. You like, know what I mean? Like, I, I remember the movie Liar Liar, right? Now, who was the freaking the boyfriend in that one? And basically, he he was trying his best. He wasn't the most sparkling personality. He was trying to get along with the boy and all that kind of shit. Real white bread kind of guy. But then that friggin' Jim Carrey asshole lawyer comes back in the picture, and that wife's out the fucking door in a heartbeat for crying out loud. Like, well, this guy did. This guy didn't do anything wrong except try to be nice, dependable, and pay attention to the boy. Not you know, Jim Carrey wasn't fucking doing that. But I think also like to go back to what DJ was saying. They do that a lot where they go. They make it so obvious that they say, this is the guy audience that we don't want you to like. And here are the seven million reasons. We don't have a clue why this girl was with this guy in the first place because he's a complete ass and he kind of smells. That's exactly and, it, Andrew. I, that's yeah. what bugs me so much. I'm like, this girl is Reese Witherspoon is so fucking amazing. Isn't she just a, you know, a fucking country angel and why the fuck is she even with this guy, this bastard that looks like he's from a Tommy Hilfiger uh, ad, and he's pompous, and he's a dink, and he'd rather hang out with her father and drink and play golf and ignore her? It's like, well, why the hell did she ever get together with him? Like, or, or, or not, not, not only get together with him, they've been living together for three years. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they, they just were dating for six months. You know what I mean? Like... There, there's got to be something about this guy that was that she liked, <laughs> or she left him for the other guy because he's dependable. You're too fly by the seat of your pants, love interest. I can't have that yet. She'll figure out at the end. That's what I really wanted all along. Well, well, you know, what I was gonna say is the whole idea of the nice guys finish last. Aside from being true to life, is is also because of Hollywood. Because if you are a nice, average fucking dude, you are probably the guy that the romantic comedy is making fun of. Because you're gonna get fucked in the ass by some jackass who's gonna come in and take the fucking girl away. You know what I mean? Because that's what happens. <laughs> Comes ringing your doorbell in the middle of the night with a crowbar wrapped around his head. Agnes. Get out here, I love you. Well, that's, Downs, that's interesting that you say that because it's like, it's almost like Hollywood's perpetuating that girls, the, like, like assholes. And there's a lot of girls that like that. They don't like nice dudes because you're right. Like, Matthew McConaughey has got no job and he's a surly fucking bartender and she's going to leave her husband that, you know, went to Yale. He's no yeah. job, but he's a bartender. So, yeah. So, like, where, where, where is the. <laughs> no where, job, where, but he's a bartender. Whoops. He bartends for free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but like, where, where is the romantic comedy where, you know what the movie's about? The guy who goes to work every goddamn day and st- gets up late with his kids and pays the fucking mortgage. Gets the girl, it keeps the girl, and it's a happy ending. Well, that's, that's not fucking that's interesting, boring. but it's boring, but that's true to life. Yeah, but he could have a pet duck that talks or something. They could make him interesting. Oh, God. He probably no, they, they, they do yeah. that, too, with the geeks, too. Like, they'll have, like, the guy that everyone's so endearing, everybody loves, and he just can't seem to get the girl, and then eventually, in the end, he will. They seem to really play on personality cliches or stereotypical um, personality traits that everyone knows about they don't it's nothing different or regular about it i guess it wouldn't make an exciting movie without those yeah yeah i I mean i agree andrew i think what what you're saying is it's so hackneyed in the sense that you have to clearly define to the audience that it's like she's not supposed to be with him she needs to be with this guy like so you know it's but it's not realistic i mean i'm sure in some senses they would say we got to make these romantic comedies a distraction and aspirational from people's day-to-day lives they don't want to just watch a 
a couple, you know, sitting around their living room playing Parcheesi and taking care of their kids. But, I mean, let's make it a little bit more reflective of normal life. I mean, it's one, one, sorry, Mike. One movie that I think is is pretty good at it, and I don't think it, I don't know if it'd be considered a romantic comedy, but I guess High Fidelity with John Cusack shows that a regular kind of dude, uh, and you know he's kind of non-committal to his girlfriend, and you know obviously she does kind of end up with a jerk, but it's kind of his portrayal of it. But then you know they do end up back together because he smartens up and does whatever but yeah and that's a very good example because freaking John Cusack fucks her over good in that movie yeah and he, but he's a regular he seems more like a regular guy he's not the the geek loser or the misunderstood or whatever he's he's kind of a jerk he's done something wrong yeah he's a jerk that actually makes himself gets his shit together and actually makes himself attractive again or shows he wants to make an effort right and he's not necessarily a regular guy i mean i don't know a guy who owns his own record store is kind of a unique individual and a, and a you know what i mean a charismatic person sure. you know what i mean he's an entrepreneur or whatever yeah yeah but whatever yeah, but you know an what? idiot or an idiot in these dimes up for crying out loud vinyl who sells vinyl <laughs> hey who, who's a fucking entrepreneur that's fucking retarded either speaking as one just saying <laughs> no andrew i think that's a good example uh, because, and I wouldn't really call High Fidelity your atypical romantic comedy. Some movies get it right, obviously, but, you know, the, generalizing here, romantic comedies, for the most part, follow a very obvious blueprint. Yeah. Uh, so, Downs, uh, how about you give us another one? Okay, so, again, switching genres now. Um, my next one has to do with the uh, mystery or thriller or crime drama, if you will. Um, and I was thinking first uh, this was in Blade Runner, but it may not have been. Um, I know for sure it was in – oh, God, I moved my notes. Sorry, everybody. Is, is it Witness? No, it's Presumed Innocent, uh, another Harrison Ford movie where, you know um, – Harrison Ford gets framed for this murder, and um, this is a specific thing they do a lot in in uh, these movies where they'll have a photograph, and somehow, through the magical software, I guess, they have at the crime lab that we normal humans don't have because this doesn't exist, they can enhance a reflection on a bumper and get someone's face? I'm yeah. like, that's fucking bullshit. I call foul on that. I am a guy who works in this space, and that tech does not exist. Oh, see, now we're getting into some very interesting territory because computers, this, these things are so, these are ripe for fucking cliches, Downs, because you're totally right. What you're, that, that example, but my God, we could make an entire show about the cliches with the use of computers. Yeah. Clearly on the, the thing that bugs me the most is all you seemingly need is a fucking laptop to hack into any government system in the world. I mean, any fucking 12-year-old can do this. I, that drives me so crazy. They're like, here, plug in. And then they'll just hit random keys and go, I'm in. And they'll, and you'll be like, dude, you hit TL at sign and Four. the control button. How yeah. are you into the FBI's database? The, the misuse yeah. of computers. And I think they're starting to get a little bit better with it, maybe because computers are a little bit better. But they the, the misuse of computers in movies is ridiculous. And, and it, it, a lot of it had to do back in the day when we had these shitty ass desktops that couldn't do anything. You had to put DOS on them and then put in another floppy disk. And here's 
Ferris Bueller having his computer controlled by his door, do making snoring sounds and answering the doorbell and doing all this stuff. And you're like, how do you do that? I can't do that. It's not possible. And they like any screenshots, any of these software that they use. Uh, I can't even go on about. Those well, and, and so and so. Well, and I, I didn't want to. Anyway, generally. There are shows that do a very plausible job of, you know, fringe and in most parts of CSIs explain their, quote, tech, if you will, you know, pretty, pretty well. But this one specifically, it is just assumed for me that there is this, I guess, government edition of Photoshop that we don't get access to. It's just assumed that with a computer, you can grab an image out of the corner and, and make it into whatever. That's you know what I mean, but yeah. Well, it's just basically the 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 science of you know technology, right? I mean, it, it, go on YouTube and just type in a search for enhance, and they got this clip, video clip that has about eighteen hundred versions of something. All right, get that section over there. Okay, enhance two hundred percent over there. You know, grab this, enhance, enhance, enhance. Like taking like a big blocky pixel and turning out to look like and see it's like the Mona Lisa or something like that. You know? Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's br- brutal. I mean, computers, this is so frustrating. Sandra, I agree. It's gotten some, it's gotten better in some cases, but wow, you, you still watch movies and television in 2010 and they're still having like upload virus and there'll be an icon, huge icon in the middle yeah. of the fucking screen. I'm like, where is there that button? Like where, where like how, upload virus? And yeah, yeah. the other thing that drives me nuts. I mean, this was done as recent as the the Watchmen movie. How people can guess other people's passwords <laughs> so fucking easily. <laughs> That's a great one. That's a great one. How do they 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 go into they break into fucking dude's office and they look around and go, okay, let's see. Oh, he's got a password. Look around his office. Well, he has a plant. Plant. No. Okay. Wait a minute. His daughter graduated from Berkeley. Berkeley. I'm in. It's like, really? <laughs> what the fuck? Like, how, like, you know how long it I would be think... for someone to figure out what my fucking password is? Yeah, I think he used to race horses as a child. And then he had a Corvette. So then going from there, he loves cooking. Um, yes. Child his password is cooking. theater four. <laughs> no, I just I can't understand how this is continually used when, you know, and we're thinking like, how in the world someone you hardly know, you're just going to be able to look in their office and go, hmm, well, let's see, we got to break into Christian Nielsen's office here. He has uh, try the Marvel team up. That's it. We're in. Like, you know, <laughs> no, if someone was breaking into my office, you'd be like. Uh, lots of bottles of beer on his desk. <laughs> type beer. Yes. Uh, but what type of computers are all these people using for crying out loud? Because, I mean, these are the noisiest motherfuckers you ever heard in your life, you know? They're just sitting here like, here, let me just get in there for you. Deep, beep, 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 you know? It's just, anyway, loud, loud, loud. Yeah, you're right. I mean, generally the whole representation of computers and hacking and that whole thing is so un- unrealistic. They've dumbed it down so much. I mean, I guess they don't want to get so where you want to lose people with real tech and IT hack talk. But come on. I mean, can we use a space bar at least when we're typing on the fucking computer? I mean, <laughs> or, 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 or you know what? I at least go, you know what? I can do that. It's going to take me some time. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to explain it. Like, you don't have to get into it. But, you know, the the time factor is what's totally unrealistic to your point of, oh, yeah, let's hack into the, ba- the, the FBI database. Okay, six keystrokes. I'm in. Yeah. The best is, um, and is it, is it, uh, meet the parents where 
he's waiting to get that flight. And the lady's just like, hold on, let me check that. Type it on the computer for like five hours. Clack, 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 clack. You know, so I'll throw out another one here. And this was the one that I actually mysteriously led the conversation with when I said that I watched the TV show, J.J. Abrams' program, Undercovers, about a spy couple from a husband and wife. Eh, not the greatest show. But anyways, they actually employed, once again, on a recent episode, and this is literally at the time of this recording, two, three weeks ago in 2010, they did another fucking cli- cliche conclusion of a TV program of diffusing a fucking countdown clocked bomb. Uh-huh. How many fucking times can this be used as a climax where, I mean, because clearly any villain, when they're going to blow up a bomb, they're using a fucking countdown clock with an LED screen. You just don't ever set a bomb to go off. You've got to show people in big red fucking numbers how much time they have, for Christ's sakes. And we've always got to have the, you know, the te- the so-called tense moment of someone sitting on the phone going, there's so many wires. What do I do? Cut the green one. Just do it. Gets down to eight. It's like, seriously. I mean, could you guys even get, or, guess? Or you cut the first wire and the clock speeds up. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Or, or you're about to, or you're about to cut the one wire and then they call you. Wait, wait, not that one. Fuckhead. The other one. Like realistically, I'm, I, this surprises me to that writers that these scripts are getting approved, that they're not going, it's pretty good, but. You're, do you really want to do that bomb scene at the end? Like, uh, well, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Okay, if you're doing episodic television, I guess you have to use this because this is. I think if you look up Hollywood cliche, this is the definition. I mean, I think Roger, you know, Siskel Niebert would bitch about this shit, right? Like, this is your the. The worst storytelling you can do, if this is the climax of your story, is that, that you know what I mean? You're, you're Skyping it in. You know what I mean? So, um, uh, episodic television, maybe you have to do that because it, you're putting in a job, but I think you're right. I mean, I, I think if you're doing a film script, the only way that this gets put in is, is if you're fighting with the director and the studio's getting too involved. This is a cop out, in my fucking opinion. Well, I don't know. I think it's common knowledge among evil organizations that if you're making a bomb, you've got to give them at least 30 seconds. I mean, you got to give them that. That's, you know? the, that's the rules in, in the evil organizations. That's right. That, I, I challenge you to defuse my bomb. I mean, a, I mean, listen, we're evil, but we have rules, people. We give the people 30 seconds. And it's yeah. never 30 seconds. They give these motherfuckers fucking Ten. 12 minutes yeah. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. What are we going to do? Well, first we'll clean the bomb. Then we'll have yeah, a smoke. And, then we'll think yeah, about and then they leave it. a whole bunch of shit around the bomb that they can actually use or diffuse it. Idiots. Well, I, I, I mean, I, come on. I mean, remote detonation. Why? Why are you even putting a clock on the fucking thing? Right? Like, yeah. And well, I, I almost, I almost can picture. I wish we could see the scene of the, you know, the lead villain and one of his henchmen and the guy like he's setting an alarm clock so the red lights are blinking and he's like, so what am I setting it for? <laughs> I don't know. What do we? What do we hey, think? Bu- Six minutes? Hey, bu- Six seven hey, bu- minutes? How much t- how much time do you think you're going to give them this time? <laughs> How long does it take us to get down the highway? Like, we have to get far enough away. I don't want to be, No, I don't. I'm not going to walk away from this one well, slowly. And, well, and you know what? I think if you're sitting around at, at the evil villain's uh, union meeting for that particular villain, and you're talking about ways to improve, and you're like, well, 
I don't know. The last couple bombs we've detonated, we've given them five minutes, and they've all lived. Do you think we could cut that down? I mean, no one's bringing this up as an idea. Yeah. Yeah, and why isn't someone saying, hey, you know, here's an idea. Why don't we not show them how much fucking time they've yeah. got? Or, Lord, lie. Stay two minutes and give them ten seconds. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're the bad guys. We can do shit like that. We can break the rules, man. Come on. Yeah, and obviously, like, in real life, you can call it in. You don't have to yeah. have a timer anymore. But, I mean, that would make pretty – that people would die constantly in these shows. Look, a bu- <laughs> but, but, So, you know what? So, the story then is, is that you have a guy, a bomber – Here's the here's the script, Hollywood writers listening. You have a guy who the, in the beginning it's not it, 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 he's calling in. They can't stop. Him, they can't stop. Him. How do you defeat a guy like that? There's your fucking story. Bam! You got to figure out a way to catch a guy who's skyping in his bombs. Skyping in his bombs. That, Unplug the computer. Have, what? It has have a, another T-shirt. It has a diffuse bomb button on the laptop. <laughs> yeah, enhance. Well, right, wait, can I just do Control Alt Delete? Zing. <laughs> Windows reboots. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew, do you have another one? Uh I do and I these ones are kind of ones that are maybe a bit dated. So they were clichés and I don't see them used quite as often anymore. One of them I'm just going to complain. Now, John Woo, if you're listening, which you probably are, please stop using doves in your fight scenes. I don't need to see doves flying while Nicolas Cage dives slowly across the screen shooting with two guns in the air. That's his signature. I know. It's now become a cliche of his movies. Stop it. That's the whole point of this episode. But like I'm saying, like they're not huge cliches that everyone does, but Mr. Wu does them a lot. Well, I mean, John Woo is, I mean, if you look at his, some, I mean, especially if you, what's the movie he did about New Orleans? That is a love letter to the United States. You know, this guy was a Japanese, uh, I think, I hope, sorry, uh, an Asian film director who came over here obviously in love with, you know, uh, and again, I don't know if this is an offensive word, but like the immigrant view of what the America is supposed to be. And if you watch that movie, it is like this fucking love letter to the, to America because, you know, he, he doesn't even know how to make a real American movie because he's, you know, from somewhere else. Is that the one with Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yeah. Have you seen that? What's that movie called? It's fucking Hard Target. Target? Something like that. I mean, it's, you know, the guy first, it's his first movie over, over here. You know I mean, he does great over there, but you know, he didn't understand the culture. Holy shit. You just said Hard Target is a love letter to America. That is the greatest <laughs> quote that I've ever heard for a Jean-Claude Make Van Damme movie. Make a shirt. Yeah. What do you have to say about Broken Arrow? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know it's funny because Andrew, I do agree. I, I I think this is a cliche. It's you know it's one that's localized just to a certain director. He will find any way possible to put fucking doves in a movie. I mean, he could be doing a movie on fucking Saturn, and they will have doves fly out at some fucking point. It's it's fucking brutal. All right, so uh, so Christian, why don't you give us uh, one more? No, I don't got anything. <laughs> No, uh, I have uh, one of the one of the, uh, the, the the cliche of cliches I've I've found is that in in any movie, you know, particularly comedies, uh, if you basically come up to uh, uh, to someone's apartment or house and you open the front door and there's a little dog standing in front of you, run away as fast as you fucking can because in all of these movies, small little dogs are vicious, dirty bloodsuckers. Huh? Yes. <laughs> this is does this happen a lot? 
What are you talking about? When little freaking dogs like, oh, and they always the oh, character they always bends over. What a yeah, nice little dog, funny. and the dog goes right for the or throat. Or like the raccoon. Hey, that's right. Elf? Cute little animals are never what they see. Yes, that was terrible. Next, what? <laughs> what? Do I, d- does that happen a lot in movies? Well, forget it then. I don't have any more of that. <laughs> no, it did happen to like. Um, because I'm trying to think, think that maybe something it, about Mary is where I can. Mary happened, then Elf, they, he did it with the, the raccoon. <laughs> well, forget it. That, that's all. No, it's, it is a very funny one, but I would, I would probably like to see that a lot more, but with different <laughs> animals. Smaller ones, bigger ones, whatever. Give me more animals yeah. flying in people's faces. Yeah, I'd like to see a little dog wrapped around your throat right about now. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I think what you're saying is that generally animals are treated as comedic you know, whatever. There's there's, there's few animals in, in in like the Will Smith one. Uh, what's that? I am Legend, where the animal is actually a a really strong character in the movie. Does that make sense? You know what I mean, most times animals. Well, are, that's are a jokes. cool animal. It's a freaking German Shepherd for Christ's sakes. It's not like one of the little Jack Russells. Yeah, no, but I'm, but I'm just saying. But I think what to, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, fucking jerk, is what I'm saying is that most of the times. They're all it's it's crazy raccoons or crazy little dogs or crazy squirrels. You know what I mean? It's rare that an animal is a trusted and as you know a real character. I think they well, did that think, too in that Ice Cube movie. <laughs> You'd start trying to do family films. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think what Christian's getting at though, they have to do the real obvious that ooh, little wee little tiny animal. What could it do? But look out, it's got a big bark. You know what I mean? Like or a big bite. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Downs, do you have another one? Certainly. So as a um, sometime, maybe often, uh, purveyor of illegal drugs, um, I don't like the way that uh, people are portrayed in movies uh, when they're high. Uh, most of the time, when people are in movies and they're high, they act like complete idiots. You know what I mean? Like Hollywood can't really portray a half-decent stoner. Do you know what I mean? So you're saying you hate every single Cheech and Chong movie? No, Cheech and Chong are funny, but I mean, if you're to, if you're to watch like if 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 you're watching like uh, a regular old movie or a regular old TV show, and they have someone take uh, smoke pot, they, they look like a complete fucking idiot. Do you know what I mean? I'm just I'm just more curious about what specific films that that bother you that much. Well, they don't bother me that much. It's not like I go around every day going, oh, my God, if I could only get back in Hollywood for how they portray stoners in films, I was asked to fucking talk about cliches. What about Brad Pitt and True Romance? That's, is that, is that, that's is that a good – I was going to say that's, that, a, that, that, that's a very good portrayal of a story. Yeah, but they do Where's, that. Where is the bad examples, though? Well, in comedies. I would I, – I'm going to back you up a little bit, Downs, where sometimes – and sometimes maybe it's the actors, too, where maybe they get drunk or they get, they get stoned and they take the drug use to such a level – where these people are so like out of it, uh, I think that's more of a '80s or '90s type cliche that we don't really see so much anymore, because they seem to be—I don't know if it's better or I just don't watch movies like that anymore. Well, like, well I think- I mean, it's a good point. It's probably more of an old example. Like, if you watch ever watch 90210 or something like that, if someone got high, they would be retarded and would throw up and have the worst experience of their life. You know what I mean? When and when in realistic, million in the in the real world, millions of people get high every day and don't act like that at all. Do you know what I mean? It's it's and to your point and when they when they're drunk, they're drunk to the most extreme level. People drink beer every day and get drunk in bars all over the place and don't again throw up and yeah. all women. You know what I mean? Like that's just not what you know what I mean? It's always yeah. 
done in a really well, – unless it's done well. I mean there's lots of examples where it's done well, but like every other cliche, that, that seems to be if someone is under the influence there, it's done over the top, I think. That's, that's true. Christian, do you care to tell us about drinking too much and being over the top? I did it this weekend, remember? <laughs> you were there. Oh, no, wait. I, that was That's right. You look just like that guy in the movie. Well, you know, I think that what you're citing here, Downs, is where on television, which is more specifically, is where they have to kind of do the very blatant smack us over the head, a message, right? Like, oh, gosh, Brandon drank one episode and fucking now he has a problem and we got to have the fucking after it, you know, call the AA helpline if you know a friend that's drinking. So, I mean, yeah, I I, I completely I, I understand that, too, where they do it a bit heavy handed. Yeah, well, like, even I would I would say like you know on a, even today's today's crime dramas and stuff. You know what I mean? If someone would be like I don't know, I think that um, again I, I I think it's it's unrealistic to view of shit. Whatever. Well, your perfect storm, I think, of in in, the, in in this movie you're talking about is probably dazed and confused, right? Because that way it seems more, the most realistic I've ever seen. I think. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's lots of uh, I mean, even uh, you know, Super Bad is a pretty good example of, of guys kids drinking and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Pineapple then, Express is a good example of stoners as well. As well, and then there's lots of good stoner movies that do it well. But but I would say, it, but those are people who understand the culture, or whatever. But almost every other example, even in say like a Lethal Weapon movie or something from back, and it's but uh, Andrew probably has a point. It's probably less so nowadays. But there's still this kind of idea that it's just so, you know. If you do that, it's so bad and so crazy over yeah. the top. You know yeah, I mean? it's the TV. D Joe, I think, nailed it on the head. Too. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah, TV ones, they just like he he got drunk one night and then he stole cars and killed someone. Yeah, it's the yeah the heavy handed message one. So I, I'm going. My, my next one is nothing like that, unfortunately. But uh, the cliche that bugs me a lot is why is it that everyone in TV and film when they're on the phone. They never say goodbye. Do you notice this? <laughs> yes. No one says goodbye. It'll be like, then I guess I will be there at the hospital. And they just hang up on the, per- like, no one ever can go <laughs> see you. Like, it's like, you always, I always think of the other person on the end of the line going, hello, hello, hey, hi, hi. jerk. Hey, they, they just hung up on me, man. Like, no one can ever take the time. Like, what? It, it's going to take three more seconds of, of, of of film time here to just have the character have a little bit of courtesy to go, okay, goodbye. All right, then. <laughs> the Bye. only time they ever do it is when they're faking it and the other person's hung up and they go, yeah, I love you too, honey. I love it. Yeah, you're great. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> well, and another one I had just, as before we wrap up here, I've just, I've got a, a couple other ones. The other, if you ever noticed, watch, try to watch any film set in a school or a TV show and without fail uh, while a teacher is ta- uh, teaching his course the bell will go off in the middle of, a, of him talking no teacher is prepared for their actual class how the length of their class there's never one that goes it's always and then bring all and the kids all rush out and they have to scream like, don't forget read chapter six <laughs> I know, I'm like <laughs> Can they not fucking look at the clock? Are they not planning their fucking yeah, but what, itinerary? But what fucking what fucking school did these kids go to for Christ's sakes? I guarantee you, no class I was in in high school. The fucking bell rang. 
I didn't just jump up and go, ha-ha, sucker, too fucking bad, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? No, but I, I, I totally agree with with, uh, with uh, DJ. It's like, what kind of fucking amateur bitch teachers are these? They don't fucking know how long their te- their class is? Why are they always in the middle of their, cla- of their <laughs> class plan when it's like, and, and, and don't forget to read chapter 16 and there'll be a, a test on Tuesday. Like, everybody, huh? Indiana Jones even did that. Yeah. He wasn't aware of the clock, for fuck's sake. So Dr. Jones. His, yeah, so but, into his lesson. But these stupid kids are all running out, and he's meanwhile, he's by the teacher's yelling, Hey, and I got a case of beer in the parking lot if any of you kids want to share it with me after school. Way. So <laughs> such passionate teachers. When in real life, they're like, they're done 20 minutes early, and they're all like, we read quietly, and when you're done, put your head down on your desk. <laughs> and if you want, I'll buy you liquor for you for the school dance. Wait, where are you going? <laughs> That's Christian as a teacher. <laughs> and, you know, so as we wrap up here, I think there's if there's any one final learning that we can take from movies and TVs is that cars are never locked and keys are always in the sun visor. So if you're going to steal a car, just look in the sun visor. I mean, it's unbelievable, man. I would love once that fucking some Bruce Willis movie, he could run up and have to at least try seven or eight cars because the yeah. first car they go up to he's in he's got the keys they're gone are you and it's a and it's a single key right on a chain it's like you don't have any other fucking keys are you, are you kidding me i always put my keys up in the visor it's, i do it every day yeah and my car is parked at the corner of <laughs> yeah give me a fucking break <laughs> who puts their keys and who who's never seen this movie and never put and said Oh, my God. I do that. Come on. This is retarded. Yeah, it's a, it's a- so, yeah. So if you're walking down the streets of Newmark and you see, like, an 84 green Civic with the license plate dope head, there's a car you can steal right now. Just open up the <laughs> that, door. Yeah, that's, the what I, that's what I drive. I <laughs> yeah. that with the license plate dope head. <laughs> and, and, Dejo, as you're, as you're uh, we're signing off here, all of us can now uh, turn on the music and start loading our guns onto our bodies and get suited up for the action. <laughs> That's one of those cliches that, although awesome, so used, overused in movies. I know. Always, yeah, like, well, I'm finally going to go to war. I guess I better lay out my bullets all over this be- uh, hotel bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> better just, better turn on some foreigner music and uh, off. And then start cleaning my, mater- my, my, my uh, militia material. He's going to hey. kick some ass. Putting- <laughs> hey, it's a ceremony, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and just like that. That's going to do it for us for the Kill the Clichés episode. I thought that was pretty fun. So before we wrap up here, fellas, why don't we get into our Atomic Picks. Our Atomic Picks. Christian Nielsen. Uh, I have uh, uh, three Atomic Picks this week because I am a cheap bastard. Uh, I've been uh, trying out the free demos on the PlayStation Network. Uh, the first game I tried was the new um, uh, MMA game from EA. And let me tell you, it's sure a lot like the MMA because you can get down on the ground and break a guy's arm and blah, blah, blah. I found it kind of boring. Did not like it. Um, the second demo I tried was Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2. Now, I didn't finish the first one. I'm assuming by the end of that game, you became one powerful motherfucker. Because the the Jedi at the beginning of this game was freaking unstoppable. Need to say, I'm not going to complain about freaking blasting the shit out of stormtroopers all over the place. Lots of fun, but wow, super powerful character. A lot of fun. But the the crown jewel of all the demos I played uh, was the one called 
enslaved. Uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, Uncharted uh, to a certain degree with the jumping and the climbing stuff, but the premise itself is in the total opposite direction. Freaking fantastic opening. Uh, I mean, I guarantee you, if you try this demo, you will want to buy the game immediately, and that's Enslaved. And, oh, and one little note, uh, another Atomic Pan, second week in a row, I hate to say it, but I'm not impressed with Chuck. I'm really hoping that the, the next few episodes will pick it up a bit, but lately, haven't been too impressive, I'm sad to say. Well, it's probably going to get canceled anyways. Uh, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> uh, my atomic pick this week is a book that was actually uh, lent to me from my mother, uh, funnily enough. Uh, it's called Cigar Box Banjo by Paul Quarrington. Uh, this is a Canadian uh, quasi-music star. He, he did a lot of music, but I guarantee no one here or probably listening knows who he is. Uh, it's an autobiography of him and his dealing with finding out he has uh, stage 4 lung cancer and going through his whole life of um, music and lyrics and, you know, partying and showing, you know, behind the scenes a little bit in music but it it's really it's written really well this guy really has a way to 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 get to you and and to explain music in in some really cool ways um that's cigar box banjo by paul quarantine i suggest maybe picking it up mr downs Okay, so uh, first up, I have an atomic pan. Um, unfortunately, I've had to say goodbye to the world of Macintosh computing pretty much and am now working back in the Windows environment. And all I have to say is Windows can suck my fucking cock. Um, I'm sorry, but this operating system is fucking horrible. Um, it was so amazing being a Mac user and how the Mac and Apple OS uh really thought of everything I ever needed to know and to do on my computer. And uh, the last couple days setting up a PC and going through all the bullshit of setting this up has just really, really reminded me of what was so great about Apple. So fuck you, Microsoft. I hate you. Um, <laughs> and on that note, uh, and then uh, what was I going to say? Uh, <laughs> We've now been re removed from the Zoom network. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. And... Uh, Thankfully, though, I still have my iPad, and uh, as I've mentioned, I'm reading and reading and reading. I just finished uh, The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. I think this makes basically everything he's ever written I've now read. Um, another amazing book about a little boy who grows up in a graveyard and, uh, you know, all the crazy ghosts and what his life is about. Another great, great book by Neil Gaiman. I love reading this guy. And then just a little bit of a shout-out to the book I'm reading right now, which is The Sicilian, written by Mario Puzo, which is about uh, Michael Corleone and his uh, trip to Sic Sicily, uh, you know, during uh, Godfather 1 when uh, Sonny is killed. So really interesting book, and I uh, can't wait to finish this thing again. Loving my iPad. Thankfully, thankfully, I still have my iPad, and uh, it makes everything okay. And a couple atomic picks for me. Quick a little shout-out. I think Christian has mentioned this on the show before, but uh, my, I've got to throw out a little love for the podcast Doug Loves Movies. Man, dare I invite you to listen to any other podcast, but if you have to, this is certainly a good one. Comedian Doug Benson uh, records hit this podcast live, always in front of a studio audience, and he always has a real interesting and diverse group of guests on the show where they 
talk about movies. And every show always ends with them playing the Leonard Moulton game. So it's really, really funny stuff. I have to tell you, if you like movies and you like podcasts, listen to Doug Loves Movies. And talking about movies, I got the chance to go see Jackass 3D with them crazy glasses. And let me tell you, if you like Jackass 1 and 2, you're going to have a lot to like with Jackass 3D. You know, this sort of filmmaking, every time I watch it, I'm just sort of like somewhat confused that how these guys may have made millions off of doing this. I, I can't believe that these kids whose parents probably thought when they were 12 were like, what the fuck is my son doing jumping off the roof? But now they're completely wealthy and famous. But you have to admire the gorilla, the gorilla style and the just complete off-the-wall gonzo filmmaking that is the Jackass series. Jackass 3D is completely in line with the other ones and probably the grossest of, uh, of all three of the films. There's a couple scenes where I found were almost a little too hard to watch just for the vileness of them. But the 3D is used to good effect, definitely in the opening and ending of the film. Like you said, if you liked the other Jackass movies, you're probably really, really going to like Jackass 3D. So, all right, so that is going to do it for episode 88 of the Atomic Geeks podcast. But for, worry not, friends, we will be back next week for another show, and in the captain's chair will be Mr. Michael Downs. So, Downs, what do you have in store for us next week? Finally, Mike Downs has come back to be the host of the Atomic Geeks. Next week, we're having a Halloween party. A Halloween party. Oh, boy. Got my costume all picked out. Uh, all right, guys. And uh, as we've mentioned a couple times before, for an upcoming episode that I will be hosting, we are going to be reopening the Atomic Geeks Film Studio. If you remember back in episode 68, we were we basically took the role of being four studio executives who were green lighting or rejecting movie pitches. Well, this time we want you, the listeners to send us movie pitches. And the way that you can do that is you can either email Michael at the atomic geeks.com, uh, your idea, or you can send us an audio file or even a video file. Uh, if you do audio or video, try to keep your submission to under a minute. The, the deadline for this is November 12th. And if for all the, the movie pitches that we use during the episode, you will receive a free gift from our friends at Tiny Microbes. So, guys, go to the website for more details on that. And as always, there's a, there's a number of ways that you can always communicate with the Atomic Geeks. You can go on Facebook and search for the Atomic Geeks. You can go on Twitter and find us. You can search for the Atomic Geeks. Hunk Burger, that's Christian, Atomic Geek Downs, and yes, Andrew Bloom is on Twitter. I think he's tweeted twice, and he has no picture, but if you search for Atomic Geek Bloom, you can see all of Andy's crazy tweets. What are this, what's this tweet thing? I, I'm following him. <laughs> and most of all, guys, go to www dot the atomic geeks dot com for information on all of our episodes and where you can uh, comment and talk with a bunch of the other fans of the show. And if you listen to the show via iTunes, fucking leave us a review. 
And uh, before we sign off completely here, just wanted to do a little shout out to our friend Jermaine, who actually did a kind of a review and a little, uh, some fine, nice words about the Atomic Geeks. And he did this on the Wrestling Randomness Forums. That's right. The Atomic Geeks are infiltrating all portions of the internet. So thanks for that, Jermaine. So guys, this is going to be Michael DiGiovanni signing off for the rest of the Atomic Geeks. The Atomic Geeks, out. You've just listened to another episode of the Atomic Geeks. Visit us at theatomicgeeks.com. Production by Andrew Bloom. Title track by Don't Look Down. 